like to ask uh, about how the RBA engaged with the review panel in, in terms of the, uh, the review process that was undergone and ultimately now we've got legislation before the Parliament to give effect to some of the recommendations of that review. So did the RBA put a formal submission to the panel? Um, I think we did. I think we did. Uh, can I take that on notice? Yeah, of course. I, I... Um, yes, yes, you can. Thank you. Um, did you have conversations? Like, and yes, I'll, put we on, did. I'll put it on the record. I, I had a conversation with the yeah. panel. They were good enough to invite yeah. me into. Well, they certainly. I was uh, deputy governor at the time. They yep. spoke with me. Yeah. Yep. Spoke with right. Bruce. Spoke Thank with you. Lots of people in terms. Thanks. Did you, at any stage, uh, suggest to the panel that the section 11 powers should be removed from the act? Um, I personally did not. I can't speak for anyone else, but I personally did not have that conversation with the panel. Dr Kent? No, I didn't. All right. Thanks. Um, uh, could I ask you to take on notice whether, um, to the best of your capacity, given your data sets or notes from meetings and so forth, you could come back to the committee on, uh, on notice with a, um, a response as to whether or not any part of the RBA, and I, I acknowledge you weren't the governor at the time, um, Ms Bullock, I don't think. That was, I wasn't. No, no it was Dr no. Lowe, right? So whether there are any records of Dr Lowe making or anyone else at the RBA making such a suggestion. The reason I ask is because of all the submissions that, were, that have been made public from, uh, from that process, none of them suggested removing the Section 11 powers, yet it was the first recommendation that the panel made. Um, the RBA doesn't have full statutory independence from government, Ms Bullock, does it? Um, what do you mean by full statutory well, independence? Section 11 provides that in the event of uh, a difference of opinion mm -hmm. between the board and the treasurer of the day, uh, and if that difference of opinion is, un is unable to be reconciled, mm -hmm. that the treasurer's opinion can carry the day over mm. the opinion of the mm. RBA board and therefore the RBA board actually is obliged under the Act yes. to give effect to the Treasurer's opinion, even if it is contrary to the opinion of the board. Yes, That's and, there's a, and there's a process that needs to be gone through and transparency and the, and the issues aired. Yes. Yeah, but ultimately the Treasurer wins over the board if there's a difference of ultimately, opinion. Ultimately, if there's a firm difference of opinion, then Section 11 allows for the Parliament, the Government, to... to, to uh, Yes, have the say. Fine That's the right, say. and the board's obliged to give effect to the yes. opinion of the treasurer, as opposed to the opinion of the board. Yes. Yes. So that's not. So that's my point. You're not. You don't have full statutory independence if you can be overridden by the treasurer, do you? Well, I, it, it, yes, that's true. But it, it's a section that's never been never been used. Um, so in effect, um, the decisions of the board during the life of the, the span of the Reserve Bank's existence I have carried. Are you aware of Mr, Mr Keating's comments in relation to this power and his public statements uh, around um, conversation, uh, a conversation that he had with um, the then Governor of the Board? I'm aware of them being reported. Um, I was a fairly junior staffer at the time, but I'm, I recall media reports. Yeah, I mean, the point that Mr Keating's making is that the fact of those powers existing actually means something, regardless of the fact of whether or not they're formally ever used. Would, would you agree with that proposition? No, I, I would say, from my perspective, since I've been engaged with the board, and I can't speak for the past, but as far as I have been engaged with the board, the board takes its decisions independently. 
um, of government. That, that's not. Um, yeah, uh, uh, that's not the basis of my question. Um, but look, leaving aside that, because of the time constraints we're operating under, does the RBA have a view as to whether or not the Section 11 powers should be removed from the Act? I think um, I'm reasonably agnostic about it um, because I personally don't think that it's ever really had... It was in there, it's never been used. I don't believe it does impact um, the way the board operates. Um, it was recommended by the review, um, and I think the reason it was recommended by the review panel was that it's, um, it was somewhat unusual um, internationally. Um, but um, I think I'm reasonably agnostic. All right. Um, there was an inquiry in 1981, the Campbell inquiry, into the, the financial system, and that explicitly dismissed the idea that the RBA should be given absolute statutory independence, as that committee described it, and it argued, and I'll quote from it, proposals to make the bank fully independent of government would amount to the substitution of bureaucratic for political discretion, which would be inconsistent with the processes of democratic government. Do you have any reflections on that? No. Um, so I'll just turn now to another recommendation, which is the Section 36 powers in Section 36 of the Banking Act. Um, which provide the power, the head of power for the RBA to direct uh, lending activities of private banks. Mm -hmm. um, again, um, bizarrely in my view, the panel recommended that they be uh, removed and even more bizarrely, a Labor Treasurer is proposing to remove them. Um, do you have an opinion on whether or not those powers should be removed? Um, those powers relate to um, a different era when the financial system was very different. It was a regulated financial system. Interest rates were regulated. There was a, uh, a philosophical approach, which was that um, you could direct lending to different areas of the, uh, of the economy. We don't operate like that anymore. The financial system is deregulated. Um, unfortunately, that is the case. Unfortunately or fortunately. Um, I think um, the bottom line is that if you look back um, in those days when there was much more directed lending, people were very credit constrained. Credit couldn't get to the areas of the economy which it was needed. We live in a much more deregulated uh, environment now. There are still regulations on the banks, obviously, because they're very important. Um, but um, we don't use those powers. We will never use those powers, and I see no reason why they should remain in the banking act. Well, let me put this to you, Ms Bullock, and we, we spoke about this a couple of, um, a couple of estimate sessions ago. Um, the RBA engaged in you know, massive QE during the, the pandemic um, through various mechanisms, effectively printed about $400 billion. Um, that pump prime the housing market in this country significantly. Um, don't you think that if you'd chosen to use your Section 36 powers to ensure that some at least of that money had been actually put into productive sectors of the economy rather than pump, pricing, pump priming housing prices, which have had a, a range of flow-through societal effects that have meant that ultimately housing is now just uh, a fluke of whether or not your parents have wealth and property uh, rather than how hard you work in Australia. It's one of the big societal changes I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, don't you think that 
the Section 36 powers could have been used to ensure that that massive QE that you engaged in during that time actually didn't have uh, the impact, such an impact uh, as it did have on housing prices? I don't believe that the Reserve Bank is in a position to decide where to direct credit, and um, so the answer is no. Senator Rannick. Hi, guys. How are you? Uh, look, I just want to raise the issue of RBA independence. I know that the Labor Party is trying to remove any oversight of you guys whatsoever. Uh, I, I am concerned about that. I know you're probably not allowed to make a comment on that, but I have spoken to you previously about some of the disclosure and transparency issues I have with the RBA, uh, notably the fact that you refuse to disclose minutes for the International Bank of Settlements. Uh, you wouldn't disclose the uh, findings of the 2013 audit report of our gold holdings uh, in England, and it now turns out that I have the serial numbers uh, of our gold bars, and many of them are refined post-2015. Uh, you had a uh, subsidiary uh, many years ago that was involved in paying bribes, I believe, to uh, uh, in foreign countries. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, and then of course, you know, we've got the issue around the fact that you were more than happy to print 188 billion dollars and lend it to the private banks uh, at 0.15 percent, while the punters don't have that. Um, and I'd note you two comments just then that monetary policy and fiscal policy should work together. And I guess my concern is, uh, is that I believe that ultimately you're here to serve the people uh, rather than serve the interests of foreign banks. Uh, and you've clearly put the interests of foreign banks uh, ahead of the interests of the people, in my view, because you won't disclose the minutes. Of the is there a question, Senator Rennie? Yeah. My question is, is that do you think that the RBA should be completely removed from any uh, uh, oversight by the parliament? The question... Oh, I'll go to the Governor, but this question had, had been asked earlier, um, but I'll go to you, Governor. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to put some context around their poor you got, you got a bit of context on the hands there. And their ethical there. lack of eth ethical behaviour. Um, if you're talking about the, the proposal to remove Section 11, um, I commented earlier to Senator um, McKim that I'm agnostic on that. Um, I, it's never been used in the past, but... Um, um, I think, in, in effect, um, we have as much independence as we need to do our job. Um, and um, if Section 11 isn't removed and there's some oversight by Parliament, I can live with that. Yeah, sure. It's probably the lack of oversight by the Parliament, really. You've got to wonder why we didn't do something like remove one of the RBA governors when it was found out that your subsidiary was actually bribing foreign countries. Um, or, you know, even these. And I, and I note that you've got here, when you have disclosed these, that these serial numbers aren't for public uh, disclosure. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to know why you think the fact that these gold bars, many of the gold bars have been refined since 2015, despite the fact that Guy DeBale, former Deputy Governor of the RBA, said our gold bars had never moved, and yet here they are being refined completely new again uh, in 2015 up, up until late 2020. I don't, why do you think that the public shouldn't be made aware of this and see these serial numbers for themselves? Because these serial numbers going public would actually put more pressure on the Bank of England from being able to actually lend these gold bars out. If they turn up in another vault somewhere, they'd quickly be identified as belonging to the um, you know, people of Australia. Um, do you want to have to try and address it? We do lend out gold from our stocks, and typically what happens, not in every case, typically what happens for the Bank of England, it's a change in who owns that gold on a ledger, and the gold doesn't actually move 
its physical location within the Bank of England. And just when a bank lends a customer some cash, they don't ask for exactly the same serial number to be paid back on that note. When they receive it back from the customer, when they're repaying their loan, they'll receive money of a different form. The same thing happens with the gold bars. But our, the serial numbers of our gold bars should not change. Otherwise, you not. cannot audit, and you, what you will get is you will get an oversale so of gold bars. this is your so that's why I just explained. We lend out a gold bar with one serial number. What we want back is the same quantity and value of gold, but it may be a different bar with a different serial number, just as a bank lends out a customer uh, a sum of money they might withdraw in cash. The bank doesn't say we want exactly the same notes okay. physically back. International okay. standards around gold, gold is fungible. Okay. One gold okay. bar. Sorry, is, uh, is if you don't mind, oh, I'm familiar with international accounting standards. So I've got good experience in this. It is incredibly important that these gold bars, if these are our serial numbers, they do not change. Okay. Because if you can change serial gold bars, the serial numbers of gold bars, then you cannot trace the gold bars. Okay. That's I'll the whole point. So are you saying that these serial numbers change? Yes. Okay, well, gold that's is, not proper gold accounting gold policy. Is, uh, gold the value okay. of our gold holdings does not change. No, okay. no, no. Well, that's not right. You see, okay, this is exactly why this needs to be disclosed okay. because Thank you are you. engaging in market Thank manipulation. Thank you, Senator Rennick. Thank you.